Vincent Hasty, the Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development at the Presbyterian Foundation, um, supporting future ministers. And I'm here with good friend, colleague, uh, wise one in my life. You know, the Temple Isles is not just made up back there behind him, uh, Ed, Ed Aponte. And um, we, full disclosure, we worship together at Covenant Community Church, uh, which is a fairly new church. And he's part of the church transformation um, and church growth team here in Mid-Kentucky Presbytery. Um, he, so he's, he's engaged. And if I read you his resume, you would be wild. I mean, he's not just an author. He's not just a leader in this work at the Institute that bridges church and academy, but also very engaged in the church broadly. He's uh, on the editorial board and I think currently president still um, the editorial board for their journal of the Society of Race, Ethnicity, Ethnicity and Religion. Um, and we'll throw a link in there to that. I think that's important. Um, he was the a distinguished teaching assistant when he was in his PhD program, but he's distinguished in many, many ways. Um, and we're grateful for him. He is um, also a professor in Christianity and culture and teaches at Louisville Seminary in addition to being executive director of the Louisville Institute. Um, and I think this is fun, particularly in this Hamilton era. Um, I've got some favorite Hamilton quotes uh, that are keep coming to my, my head is he's, he explores uh, the life and witness of Leonard Bernstein. I did not expect that when I was reading about you. I know that you sketch. I know that you walk. You walk by my house. You do all kinds of other cool things. But I've got to know about Leonard Bernstein because I noticed when I looked him up, I'm like, wow, he was born in 1918. 1918 has been, been really important the last coronavirus. I mean, that was when the flu pandemic was, right? So I was interested to learn that about you. Thank you for making time to be here, Ed, and maybe say hello to those who are here. Tyler Mayfield, who teaches with you, Brian McAdams, Polly Williams, Matt Bowman. These are people you may know. Well, thanks so much, Lee. That's that very uh, kind and, and gracious. Um, I'm delighted to be here and to have this conversation today. Uh, I, I think uh, my fascination with Leonard Bernstein uh, goes back to my childhood. I, I grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which then was a factory town, uh, up train line out of uh, New York City. And it was uh, in, in public school where we saw programs that originally had been broadcast on TV, but I never saw it on TV, of uh, uh, Bernstein's Young People's Concerts, in which mm. he would have the orchestra play some pieces and also uh, explain something about music. And that really was the seed with that uh, that goes back. And I've uh, just over the years revisited his, his, his music. Uh, often when I'm working, it's Sometimes it's playing in the, the background. If I, I need a real boost, I will listen to the overture from Candide. Um, mm. I, I have a love-hate relationship with the, the music of uh, uh, West Side Story. But that's a different conversation. The music okay. is great. <laughs> well, hey, listen, we, can, we may have to do that one you know, next time. We'll do it again. <laughs> We, that's a whole nother conversation for us to have. I'm excited. Um, well, and 
I should mention that he's been the chief academic officer at three institutions and engaged in three or four more. Um, his PhD is from Temple, um, where he worked with um, one of, uh, you know, our, I think many of our heroines in our life, Katie Geneva Cannon, um, and uh, has also a degree from Gordon-Conwell and uh, Gordon College. Um, I think you know, and you know this is coming, um, and you've written about it just graciously is about uh, how Katie Cannon mentored you. But I'd love, she, she talked about and may have asked you, I think maybe personally, what is, Ed, the work your soul must have? Mm -hmm. um, and that call, and I'm sure that's evolved, but um, uh, we're going to put a link in there about that essay that you wrote about that as well. But um, we'd love to hear, I'd love to hear What's, what's giving you life these right. days, making you come right. alive? Yeah, uh, Dr. Cannon always would challenge us to, to do this, the work that our soul must have. And for me, uh, my work, my vocation, it's really it's a multifaceted one, and it's uh, living into my family name, uh, mm. Aponte, Aponte uh, the bridge. Mm. And it's to be a bridge person and to to live into and learn that I could work in both church and academy and help bridge the two. And that's been an ongoing theme um, from college coming right up to the present day. And um, one of the great joys of life I have is, is now I'm working with the Louisville Institute. Uh, and, and let me just read the Institute's mission uh, because uh, I don't wanna get it wrong. The Louisville Institute's mission is to bridge church and academy through awarding grants and fellowships to those who lead and study North American religious institutions, practices, and movements, thereby promoting scholarship that strengthens church, academy, and society, and ultimately contributes to the flourishing of the church. And so the Louisville Institute has, since it started in 1990, has been bridging church and academy through funding research and this research has contributed to the thriving of the church. And my calling is to bridge church and academy. Um, so it really is a great joy to be able to work here and help people mm -hmm. through the funding that we do, that they uh, are able to pursue their own mm -hmm. callings as well. It's like a perfect fit. I don't know why I had not put together a Ponte with this bridge. And it, excuse me, it truly does, um, I think, um, describe who you are in all the ways. I've seen you in many, many locations and, and you are a bridge person um, and you do that in your life. And the Louisville Institute is a bridge uh, organization. Uh, we're putting by the way, um, links to the programs and grants um, for folks to learn about. Uh, the, many of those deadlines, by the way, friends, are coming up starting in September uh, and then into the fall. So please take a look. Lots of opportunities there for research, for sabbatical, um, for collaborative teams. And maybe we'll get to talk about some of those, maybe share some of those examples in this conversation. Um, but what a gift you are. And I, I, I think it's um, you know, that Dr. Cannon would, um, I think, call you out <laughs> and it makes, makes such a difference. And you, you are a teacher too. I think that, that is, is, is a real gift of who you are and preacher. Um, 
So let's, let's talk about that bridging. And the Louisville Institute has, has um, been around for uh, about two decades now. But it's, well, we're it's, about 30 years old. We're getting up to. Okay. And, but this, this bridging uh, that you're talking about between church and academy is, I always say that I don't want an academy without a church and a church without an academy. Mm -hmm. um, is that is that what you're talking about? Is or, or is it bringing those kind of worlds together in lot in a live way? Or how would you describe? Right. So uh, part of what we do is to to help people think deeply about mm -hmm. their specific callings and the specific work that they do, and we do that through at Louisville Institute through several grant programs. Um, one that some people may know and they assume is a sabbatical grant for researchers and those are for uh, academic researchers at seminaries and colleges and universities. So when they all go off to, to uh, on a sabbatical and write their book. But we also have a longstanding program called Pastoral Study Projects because we also want to encourage the deep thinking about, uh, about ministry and different challenges um, and so we fund pastors and others who are ministry practitioners to, to think about this. And uh, we recognize here at Louisville Institute that there's a, a distinct value and promise to, uh, right now we're tentatively calling uh, pastoral research, that it, it's different. It's a different perspective. It's coming out of a different context. So this, you mentioned uh, a deadline. So our pastoral study project grants, uh, the, that's the first deadline coming up on September 1st. And so uh, people can go to the uh, website, louisvilleinstitute.org and find out a whole lot about that. Um, but we fund all kinds of projects for people doing ministry. Um, we had actually one of your uh, grantees on the show, I was remembering a couple of weeks ago, Emily McGinley. I think um, she's currently doing on design thinking and ministry. It's those kind of projects. Um, I know, and there's, I mean, I know a lot of my audience is Presbyterian. I think Yenna Wong and maybe Neil Pressa are also in that program right. uh, currently. And, and, that, and that's just right now. I mean, there's a couple, maybe a couple dozen or a dozen or so. I don't know exactly the number, but. Well, uh, a name that uh, maybe a lot in this audience will know, we uh, funded uh, Neil Pressa um, from Village Community Presbyterian Church. Uh, he's, his project, Pastoral Study Project, is uh, re Rediscovering Joy, a litur Liturgical spirit Spirituality for Life. Um, so that is something that with our Pastoral Study Projects, we just invite people, what are you thinking about what are th things that sometimes, hopefully not all the time, but will keep you up at night and you're trying to sort it out? And we want to give folks some opportunity, maybe a little time, a little resources to think these through. Um, but there are all kinds of uh, uh, projects. Um, uh, I'm forgetting the title of it, but a Lutheran pastor in Pennsylvania a few years ago won Part of his calling, his multifaceted calling, is that he was chaplain to um, first responders, mm. uh, firefighters, uh, police, and 
he decided that there was a need um, to have a, a chaplain's guide for first responders. What does one do in an instance like that? And so that was one of the pastoral study project uh, grants that we made a few years ago. Um, Re Rebecca Mazzoli, you're already doing it. She said she was asking about some that you're excited about that are happening. And I'm also wondering the archives of those projects. Is there a way like the one you just mentioned on first responders, which seems very relevant in this current historical context? Um, are there ways to um, learn about um, previous projects and oh, maybe sure. others you want to describe that you're excited about that are happening now? So if uh, someone were to go to the Louisville Institute website and under pastoral study projects, we have listed our uh, past grantees going back uh, 10 years to 2009. Nice. Uh, so you can go back there and see the kinds of things uh, that we, um, we funded in, in the past. Uh, if it's something that might help your thinking, if you want to do a project, uh, we do not require pastoral study project grantees to write a book, but interestingly, <laughs> an increasing number of these pastors and other uh, people in ministry, they do write up what they're doing in a book. Um, and that, that's always helpful. Then people are, have the opportunity to share what they've learned through their pastoral study project. Um, there's one that's actually... That's great. I think we have a little bit of a lag. It may be me. It may be you. So hopefully it'll come back on us. <clears throat> Am I still live here? Can you see me? I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, this is the world we live in, right? Um, that's right. <laughs> so... Um, that's great. You can go back and look. You could reach out to those people. There's some of the, There are books um, that some of these have written, you know, written as a response, which is awesome. And people can learn about that. And um, it makes me think, though, and you started to say this, the Institute doesn't just leave you out on your own. You come alongside them. And we were right. talking about this. Um, and I think it's in our description is um, it's about getting the questions right and and also listening for uh the outcomes that sometimes are unexpected i think you were telling me and, and right that's right so uh we've been talking about our pastoral study project grants and the grantees so with each new group of them we invite them here to louisville in january and hopefully god willing we can do this again in <laughs> right <January. laughs> Uh, for a couple of days for what we call the, the pastoral study project consultation. And so the, the majority of the pastoral study project grantees, the time in January is just before they start their work on their project. And so we uh, have folks gather not only in, together in plenary ways, but also in small groups. And we invite uh, sociologists of religion, uh, anthropologists of religion to help uh, talk through with the pastors different research strategies. For example, a lot of people want to do uh, interviews. So we give some, some uh, hints on how to do that. And, uh, but also a lot of the work that happens at the Pastoral Study Project consultation is in the small groups as people share with each other their projects. Mm -hmm. and, and this is not like a seminar and seminary where anyone's gonna be great. It really is people 
in ministry together, sharing something that they're excited about, that they're working on. And uh, always we've gotten uh, feedback from our pastoral study project grantees, how the consultation has been helpful for them in launching the, their, their work, but also that after the grant is over and they've completed whatever they've done, they remain in community with people that they've met from across the country in Canada around their projects. Um, so that's another thing that we want to build these communities that also cross bridge boundaries mm -hmm. as well. Well, and I suspect they're those kind of learning communities and cohort groups and lifelong, probably lifelong friendships that form become sort of the phone of friends, you know, for people right. to have uh, moving forward. And that's, that's, I mean, uh, much more, probably even more valuable than the money, right? That's right. The money's good and everyone's happy and grateful for it. But you're right, it's really the relationships and the community that develops. Right, right. That's beautiful. Um, are there some other ways, particularly our, our audience is primarily pastors. I'm thinking maybe the collaborative uh, teams or other things, uh, ways for folks to get engaged with the Institute so they can become part of this. I, what I'm imagining is, is you're helping people build this bridge uh, between church and academy. I mean, that's right. sort of what the Institute is doing. Are there other ways that um, people in the church can get engaged with the Institute? Yeah, so you mentioned our collaborative inquiry teams, and that's something we've been funding for a while. Right now, for this next cycle that is beginning in fall 2020, we're taking a pause from making new grants only because we've been, from the teams that we have funded uh, so far, we've been learning so much that we needed to kind yeah. of catch up with what right, we're doing. Right, right, right. But that, uh, the collaborative inquiry teams have been very intentional about bringing people from the academy, maybe seminary profs or someone at a college with ministry practitioners to talk about some pressing question. Mm. Uh, and um, so right now we have a collaborative inquiry team that is based mo mostly in, in uh, Nashville, but they're looking at um, ways to transform churches and communities through uh, addressing uh, economic inequality. Wow. How that can be done in a contextual way across all kinds of boundaries. Uh, so again, that team is made up of practitioners and agencies and uh, someone from uh, uh, Vanderbilt Divinity School and pastors. And that's very exciting to see. We've had um, uh, groups look at the issue of, of race in the church and how sometimes uh, the church um, just reinforces the divisions. And of course, right. this is important. We have a, a group on the West Coast that right now, uh, their project is called Imagining a More Equal Pulpit. And that's looking at uh, gender inclusion in Latino and Asian American churches. Wow. And, and how people who, women who are called to a preaching ministry, but are coming up in a context where the the church doesn't recognize women in ministry. Mm -hmm. right? Sure, and that challenge, and that's very exciting as well. Well, and I suspect these projects, like the others, are you can look back and see, and find links on your website and from them. I I remember one of the teams 
a year, couple of years ago was uh, part of their project was uh, presented and it was based in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and um, it was just, I mean, it just, I mean, I'm a North Carolinian and, and my mind was blown, you know, I thought, and it was about an African-American Presbyterian church that's sort of on the outside of the, the loop d divided um, away from, from the main city. I mean, it's just very powerful. And oh, that's a great, that's the uh, race church and theological practices. So if anyone wants to go to the website and look that up and that um, really is an, a, a great team, uh, Mark, Mark Ramsey's part of that. Um, who's he's now in Texas? I forget where now. Well, no, um, he is in Decatur, Georgia. He is. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, he's with Macedonia, Macedonia Ministries now. Okay. Um, but I'm trying to remember the, th the couple of theologians that were involved. It's just so uh, Jay Cameron Carter is part of that right. team, uh, and and. Jay uh, moved from Duke. He's now at Indiana University. Uh, Danielle McCray, she's up at Yale. Uh, Denise Thorpe, who's project director, she is now at Pittsburgh Seminary. Jamon Taylor, okay. he may be the only one still in North Carolina. Uh, he's a Pittsburgh <laughs> priest here. Or what? Well, we're, 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 we're missionaries. You know, North Carolina missionaries. That's right. Missionaries. You're everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just checking to see their comments over here um, and folks who are joining us. Um, maybe uh, are there other other ways folks can get involved um, in, in the Institute or or maybe there's some practices that you don't have to be a grantee that maybe you would uh, encourage folks to think about because you're really functioning as a learning community yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, that's right talking about the collaborative projects, you want to step back. You're not disengaging totally. Think about those to re-engage in a new way. All right. So um, in, depending on uh, the particular grant program, we really encourage that um, the exploration continues in whatever context a person finds themselves in. And so um, even if someone doesn't apply for or receive a grant from Louisville Institute, we're totally open to enter into conversations to help folks think something through. Um, and sometimes that might lead to a grant proposal, but I've been in conversations with folks for a number of years and they've never uh, applied for a grant. They just wanted help in kind of thinking things through. And because of uh, the Louisville Institute has funded this research at all kinds of levels, from all kinds of perspectives for nearly th three decades now, Louisville Institute has a real good understanding and perspective of the different landscapes of religion in general in the United States and Canada, but particularly the different expressions of the church that, that exist. And so we can be a resource uh, for folks, even if they don't apply for a grant. Yeah, everyone's welcome to apply for a grant, but we're still willing to talk to you. Um, and, um, um, you know, I'm the type, not right now, because we're all staying safe at home, right? Mm -hmm. But in, in the past, if someone invites me to come, if I can get there, I will come and talk to uh, individuals and groups. That's, That's really helpful. I mean, I'm thinking now, particularly, Ed, and there's been, a, just in the last few days, some formal things written that I've seen is 
pastors and church leaders are feeling so lonely. I mean, this is not just in COVID, but I think it's especially pronounced. And the, the questions are changing, um, and they're trying to articulate them. And it feels like just the right time maybe to be in conversation with the Louisville Institute, with you, with Don Richter, your colleague, and others, um, and, you know, find new friends and, and colleagues uh, through the Institute to to be engaged and, and to remember they're not alone. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so important. I think it's, it, I'm just grateful for that witness and that opportunity that you provide. Is there other things? I mean, we're, it's unbelievable, but we're moving closer to our close time. Things that you'd like to share. Um, for our audience. Um, again, to encourage, encourage people to go to Louisville Institute website, uh, a lot of the, the good analysis about the church in the United States uh, there's there's a good chance that that basic research behind it has been funded by Louisville Institute. So uh, there are resources that folks may already be using, and you don't realize that you have a Louisville Institute influence. And um, so uh, again, come to our website, and uh, if there are particular things that you're looking for, you want to explore, uh, send us an email, and, and maybe we can uh, give some suggestions about things that Louisville Institute has funded that might be helpful. Um, hopefully, you know, in this stay-at-home time, uh, people have more opportunity to read than previously. I don't know. You know, everyone's context is different how we need to respond to what we need to do, even though a lot of the work we do is, is now virtually. That's great. Very helpful. Um, so... <clears throat> If it would, if you're willing, and I think you're prepared for this, um, I'd love for you to um, to close our time with a charge and a benediction. It's I'm, I'm aware that many of these folks are offering, who are listening today, are offering charges and benedictions, but don't always receive many. So um, would you be willing to do that? I would, and I would like to do it uh, visually as well as to talk through something. Okay. So let, uh, I'm going to... Take control of the screen here. Go for it. <laughs> um, this is a, a scene from, it seems like a, almost a century ago, but uh, back in December when we could still travel, I had the, the blessing to go to Madrid, Spain, and this is uh, one of the metro stops, uh, uh, Lava Pies. And uh, opposite this metro stop is this building, the Center for Dramatic Arts, National Center for Dramatic Arts, and it had this intriguing mural on the side there. Um, somos lo que hacemos para cambiar lo que somos. And, and these are the words uh, written by uh, the South American author, um, journalist, philosopher, Eduardo Galeano. Um, many of our uh, folks are, are joining us today can translate this. This is a kind of hard one to translate. Here's today's translation. We are what we do in order to change who we are. And as we've been living in this time of COVID-19, I keep on coming back to this. Somos lo que hacemos para cambiar lo que somos. We are what we do in order to change who we are. And was reminded of these verses from Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, 
to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And particularly the words, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So even in this time of coronavirus pandemic, in some sense, by the grace of God, we are what we do in order to change who we are as we go forward each day in life. So I invite us to enter an attitude of prayer and drawing on the Presbyterian Church USA Book of Common Worship, I want to share this prayer of self-dedication and it could be a prayer to end our time together. So let's pray. Almighty God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills, that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you. Use us as you will, always to your glory and the welfare of your people, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I'll turn that back to you. Thank you, Ed. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm.